Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 4, and I'm going to read through to verse 5. Um, we left off at the latter half of verse 5. So let me begin in verse 4, and I'll be pausing there to continue on from where we left off last week. The Apostle John writes and says, Whoever commits sin transgresses also the law, or literally commits lawlessness, for sin is the transgression of the law. Now remember again that this isn't just a normal sin. You know, what I call normal anyway. Okay, this is a sin against God. Remember again that this sin is attributed to the devil himself and is attributed to the man of lawlessness that the Bible talks about in relation to the person that is going to rise up as the Antichrist and come against God's people. Are you all with me? So I really need you to see that because I don't want you to be thinking about, oh dear God, I made a mistake last week, I kicked the dog or something, and this is me. <laughs> okay? This is not you. So let's, let's continue on from there. He, th- and that's why he says, for sin, can I add a, one word here? For this sin is the transgression of the law. This sin of denying Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, is transgression. And it's not against the Mosaic law. Remember we talked about that last time. It's not against the Mosaic law. This is against the law of God. This is a universal law. Amen? Verse 5. And he says, and you know that he, Jesus Christ, was manifested to take away our sins. I think this is tremendous because verse 5, you know, you might look at verse 5 and say, well, what's the difference between, you know, 1 John 3, 5 and 1 John 1, 9? If we confess our sin, if we acknowledge our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So what is this then? What, why is he saying, and you know that he, Jesus Christ, has manifested to take away our sins? Remember again the sins that he's discussing here are sins against God himself. These are not just sins where you miss the mark. Okay? These are horrendous sins. Okay? These are very bad things. And the, 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 the point that the Apostle John is making, and I thank God that he wrote this down. I thank God the apostle of love went down this road. Amen? That he's saying, listen, because I don't think very many people would actually say this. And if, when I, I'll, I'll just give this to you in context so you understand what he's actually doing here. There'll be people that say, well, brother, you know, you've sinned in this way. You've smoked, you've drunk, you've played around, whatever. Okay? Don't do any of those things. Okay? But, <laughs> okay? You've done that stuff. You know, those are not sins against God himself, so to speak. Okay, so, you know, it's, it's okay. You can first John 1, 9 it. But, now you on the other hand, this person that has been speaking blasphemies against God and coming against everything, now you want to change your mind? Forget it, we don't want you! Is what mo- normal people will say. But not the apostle of love. Do you hear what I'm saying now? It's to these people that he says, Listen, if you come to your senses, remember the Apostle Paul kind of fall in this category, doesn't he? Okay, he killed Stephen, man. I mean, that was a preaching dude. You know, he, <laughs> this guy would heal people. He would do extraordinary things. And the, have you ever thought about what would have happened if Stephen continued living? I reckon there'd be a lot more in the book of Acts. Amen. It would be telling us how Stephen went and did this and that and all these extraordinary things. And his life was cut short. You know, this is the reason why when the Apostle Paul repented, they didn't believe him. They said, oh, we know who is, you know, this is the kind of person he is. We don't want this kind of person in our midst because we don't know. He's going to come in here, deceive us, make us think he's one of us, and then arrest a whole bunch of us and throw us in jail. Because that's what he was doing. 
Are you all with me? And so you need to understand it is to a person like that, that opposed God. Which is why on the road to Damascus, Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Do you understand the difference now? He wasn't just making mistakes in his life. He was coming against the gospel. He was coming against Jesus Christ himself. And it is to that person that the Apostle John says, and you know that Jesus Christ was manifest to take away those sins. Not just the mistakes you make in your life, but these horrendous lapses, okay, in judgment, okay, things that you did that was so bad that everybody would just say, push him over the cliff and get it over with. You know, let's not even think about bringing him in. You don't know how many people he's hurt. Amen? That's what this verse is about. Can I say this then? It tells us something. Listen carefully. That the cross of Christ was enough for anything that you could possibly do in your life. And don't let anybody say otherwise. Amen? It was more than enough. Hallelujah. And in fact, then we're going to continue on where he says, And in him is no sin. That is a powerful statement. And we're going to pick up there today. Are you ready? Okay. In his commentary, Simon J. Kistemacher says that John writes in the present tense to indicate that Christ always has been, is, and will be without sin. Now that, you know, that might be something that you kind of go, well, yeah, we all know. No, not everybody knows that. You know, I've seen stuff and articles on the internet. Because I do research, okay, (laughs) all right? And some of the things that people write on there, oh, dear God, you just think, how are they still alive today? Because of 1 John 3, 5. No, (laughs) okay, all right? Hello, (laughs) okay? You know, I would have taken them out a long time ago. But, you know, the sort of things that they say, they just come against the, you know, the Lord in so many different ways. You know, one person said, oh, you know, we all know that Jesus wasn't perfect. Wow. Uh, funny, the Apostle John didn't know that. When he said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and was manifested and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Amen? If Jesus was, had any kind of sin on His life, He couldn't die for us. Get this now. Because... You know, do you understand? We've heard this term, you know, the great exchange. We're not exchanging our sin for his sin. Okay? Because he had no sin. Get this now. This is the basis of our Christianity. He was sinless. He was perfect. We exchange our imperfections for his perfection. Do you understand? That's the reason why we can walk away. That's the reason why 1 John 1 9 says, if you acknowledge, you know, acknowledge your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of your, uh, forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we're going to look at that hopefully today, which tells us that we are reinstated back to a place of perfect righteousness. That perfect righteousness is his righteousness. So the exchange is our imperfect righteousness, our messed up life, for his perfect righteousness and his perfect life. 
Which is what allows us to continue on this journey and go from glory to glory. Not go back three steps, one forward. Back another three steps, one forward. You keep going, you're going to fall off the cliff somewhere, you know, backwards. You know what I'm trying to say? No, (laughs) you know what Jesus does? He raises all the backward steps. So whenever you take a step forward and you mess up, you are reinstated back to where you left off. So the next step forward is now two steps forward. You haven't gone six steps back. Do you understand? We really need to get a revelation of this. Because if we get this, then anything that the devil tries to do in our life, all the lapses in judgment that we have in our life, we look back to the cross and say, Jesus, you paid for this. Sorry for doing it. (laughs) Okay? We made a mistake, a big one. But you paid for it anyway. And in honor of you, we're going to forget about how we feel. And we're not going to allow the devil to take us to a place where we don't belong anymore which is judgment, condemnation, guilt, we are going to be reinstated back to the place where we are the righteousness of God in Him. That we can move forward from this place and go to another level of righteousness. Do you understand in doing that, you become less and less accessible to the devil? Oh, get the revelation. There is a revelation here you need to get. I'm spending time in here because I want you to get this revelation. That regardless of how bad you've been, okay? You might be bad, 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 okay? You know I'm bad, I'm bad. Okay, I'm trying to get your attention here. Thank you, got it. Okay, now, no matter how bad you are, okay? And you might sing about it. No matter how bad you are, God has made the way for you to be restored back to a place of not just good, but perfect. Do you understand perfect? It means without any flaws whatsoever. It's an absolute term. You know, the English language doesn't like the word absolute. In fact, there was a point in time they said, well, you can't say anything is absolute. Funny, there's absolute zero. I can tell you how many Kelvins that is. (laughs) Okay, it's zero Kelvin, I think. Okay. Listen, man, there are absolutes in this universe. People might not want it, but they, they exist. And they exist in Christ. He is absolutely righteous. He's absolutely holy. I'm absolutely not. <laughs> okay? There's an absolute you can put in your pipe and smoke. All right? Hey, listen. We, I understand that I'm imperfect. I understand that I will make mistakes. I understand that you will make mistakes. Yes, I know you're not perfect either. I love you anyway. Okay, no, okay listen. No. The, the whole point of it is this. I don't expect you to be perfect. But what I do expect of you is when you make a mistake, that you don't live in that mistake. I expect you to go to First John 1, 9 and get rid of it immediately. That I demand of you. Yeah, but I don't feel, I don't care about how you feel. Did I ask you how you felt? I didn't ask you. Okay? I'm telling you that a price was paid. So you don't stay there and have a pity party about how you made a mistake, how you should have been known better, how blah, 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 which is all the devil sitting on your shoulder talking to you. Can you please not listen to that? Yes, be repentant. Yes, be sorry. But can we please move on? Do you hear me? Because somebody who was sinless paid a price for your sin. Do you understand sin means that you did something wrong. 
You need to get a revelation about this. See, we do something wrong and then we go into this, how can I put this? You know, it's a self-deprecating. We, we, we start to, you know, condemn ourselves. We should have known better. We shouldn't have done that. How long have we been Christians? You know, it's been, like, it's okay if we were just, you know, recently born again, didn't know what we were doing, running around in our little nappies down to our knees, you know, <laughs> okay? And we didn't know what we were doing and we made a mistake. That was okay. But today, you know, 20 years later, we shouldn't be doing stuff like this. You know, we get down that road and, you know, we get to a place where the devil tries to convince us that, you know what, you know, because you're in this place, because you should have known better, God's not going to forgive you, is what goes off in the back of our mind. We don't say it out loud because it's, we know it's not... If we said it, we'd realize what we're saying. But have you noticed how things live in the back of your mind? That don't go. It's unspoken things. That we allow in there. That if we said it out loud, we realize how wrong it was. I'm giving you a revelation here, guys. So when, if you have something like that roaming around in the back of your head, can you please call it out? <laughs> You know what I'm trying to say when you call it out? Just call it out for what it is. Just say, listen, I know, I feel, this is how I feel. I feel terrible. I feel I should not be forgiven. But pastor stood up there, screamed at the top of his voice, forgive yourself. Not for your sake, for his sake. Because he paid a price. And he wants to know that the price he paid was worth it. And the only way it can be worth it is if you put it to use in your life. So do you understand something now? I, I want to give you a different view. Can I give you a different view? I want you to see something in a different light today. When you make a mistake, I don't want you to see Jesus going, Oh, again? Really? How many times is it going? You know, I don't know if I want to forgive you today. Okay. <laughs> I want you to erase that out of your brain. And I want you to see Jesus. He might be a little disappointed. Okay. But he's going, listen, I paid for it. Don't worry about it. Confess it. Get it out. Let's move forward. And the last thing he wants to see you doing is, oh, no, no, Jesus. You don't know how bad what I did was. Like he needs to be told. You, <laughs> you don't know how many times I thought, no, don't do it. And I did it anyway. Like he's the one that was talking to you saying, don't, by the way. Okay. <laughs> he knows all that stuff. It was him. Now what he needs you to do, what he needs you to do is get over it. And get over it. Amen. You can't get stuck there, man. You really need to move forward from that point. That's what this is about. And again, the power of this is in the statement, and in him is no sin. So what you are receiving is from a perfect being. Listen to me. So that regardless of how imperfect you are, you are replaced. What, in, what is inside of you is replaced by what is inside of him. We're going to take a closer look at this when we get to another statement that the Apostle John is going to make regarding righteousness. That we are righteous just as he is righteous. So let's hold off a little bit on that till we get there. Let's move on. Okay, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, 
The Apostle John says, my little children, these things are right to you that, so that you may not sin. So he's saying, listen, I'm not giving you a license to sin. I'm telling you don't sin. But he says, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Which tells us, it's another way of saying, in him is no sin. Do you understand this is righteousness before God? This is not our filthy rag righteousness. <laughs> okay? This is absolute righteousness. This is that righteousness that needs to be at 100% to stand in the presence of God. Are you all with me? Because that's where Jesus represents us in the courtroom of heaven. We have an advocate. Notice the wording. Notice he says we have an advocate with the Father. The Father is perfect. His advocate is perfect. Hallelujah. So we have a perfect advocate who stands before a perfect father representing us. And the thing with our advocate is that he doesn't just represent us, he has already paid a price for us. So he makes appeals based on what he did, not on our crummy lifestyle. He doesn't come and say now, you know, Father, Roche, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, Roche, yeah, he's back again. Okay, okay. We don't go down that road. If we started there, I'd be dead now. A long time ago, in fact. Okay, I'm just telling you, all right? We, no, that's not where he goes. Jesus stands in front of the Father and says, a mistake was made. I'm standing in the gap right now. So where's Roche? I'm hiding behind him. Because if Father sees me, I'm in trouble. <laughs> okay? I got that naughty look on my face. Okay? So Jesus stands in front of me and says, His righteousness is of me. And the Father, and the devil goes, Yeah, but you don't get what it is. He goes, Shut up. We're not looking at him. We're looking at the capital H, him. <laughs> Amen. And so the devil goes, man, this is unfair. Yep. That's what happened when you crucified the Lord of glory. You tipped the whole deck in our favor. That's why the Bible says, had they known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Because in doing that, they lost all of us. Any one of us that decides to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. And any one of us from that point on that decides to confess our sin or acknowledge our sin is, is immediately restored back to a place of perfection to where the devil can't do anything about it. Just absolutely nothing unless you let him. If Jesus was standing before the throne of God and making, <laughs> okay, he was my advocate, okay, he was presenting a case and I jump out from behind his robes and say, I know, but I really don't deserve it. That is really dumb. Okay. Because you know what happens in a courtroom? <laughs> you know, they're very strict about who can say what. And if you're out of order, you get kicked out. Listen, I have two words for you. Shut up. Just once you confess your sin, once you've been forgiven, hush. That's one word. Don't say anything more. Yeah, but I feel really bad. Listen, man, listen. You need to start confessing things over yourself now. Do you know why? Because, and I, 
We need to get to something, man. Anyway, when we get to it, just like, uh, you know, surprise. But, okay, <laughs> listen, you know, one, one of the commentators I was reading after had something tremendous to say, you know. And when I, when I get to it, I'll read it to you. But the, the main point he was making was we need to learn to focus on what is good in our life, not what's bad. Because in saying don't sin, we think about sinning. It is more important that we put the scriptures in our mind and our heart, not what we did. That we don't rehearse our mistakes, but we meditate on the word that counteracts that mistake and making, ever making it again. And if you make that mistake again, don't get on yourself. Amen. Because as long as you're making an effort, just keep going forward. That's, that's why the Apostle John says, I'm not writing this so you can sin. In other words, he's saying, don't, don't be in a place where you, know, you keep excusing yourself for doing all the wrong things all the time. Make an effort to get better. You'll be forgiven, but you're not moving forward. Amen. Remember those branches that don't produce fruit? Clip, clip, clip. Amen. <laughs> okay. So, you know, don't put yourself in that position. Amen. Amen. Oh, that's enough. I'll move on now. Do I? Okay. How much time do I have left? <clears throat> Let me know when you know. All right. In fact, <laughs> Thomas F. Johnson writes, the declaration of Jesus' sinlessness goes back to John eight forty six, where Jesus said, can you, oh, excuse me, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? You know what? They couldn't. He said, you, you say a lot of things about me. Because, you know, people will say things. But that doesn't mean that there's any basis to what they say. How many of you have experienced that? That hurts the most, doesn't it? When they say things about you that you know are not true. Okay. And to the portrayal of Jesus as the innocent... Let me reread this again. So this declaration of Jesus' sinlessness goes back to John eight forty six. When Jesus said again, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? And to the portrayal of Jesus as the innocent sacrificial lamb of Isaiah 53. That's verses 7 and 9. Other New Testament writers shared this conviction. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. We'll look further at that scripture later. The author of Hebrews said that Jesus has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was Without sin. Amen? So you know, so people that make these statements out there are actually going against the scriptures. <clears throat> that was Hebrews 4.15. And that as our high priest, he was holy, blameless, and pure. That's Hebrews 7 and verse 26. Amen? Further to all this, I, Howard Marshall adds, he is the righteous one and the pure one. That's in 1 John 2, 1 and 1 John 3.3. 3. A thought which is simply, excuse me, which is amply confirmed elsewhere in the New Testament. Therefore, in direct contrast to those who commit lawlessness, there is Jesus Christ who is absolutely perfect and sinless. So we are now seeing a, um, a separation. We are seeing two distinct things here now. Okay? So I want you to start seeing this in that the Apostle John is saying, listen, as opposed to all those that are coming against him, coming against the gospel, coming against God, there is Jesus Christ who is absolutely perfect on this side. Because the the thing that they're doing, trying to do, is draw people away from Christ to themselves. 
and to what they're saying. Do you understand? So the Apostle John is saying, listen, if you have a choice between imperfection and perfection, go with perfection. Is that hard? To, okay. <laughs> okay. Let me continue. So in direct contrast to those who commit lawlessness, there is Jesus Christ who is absolutely perfect and sinless, with Colin G. Cruz going on to explain that the affirmation of Christ's sinlessness is introduced in this verse for a practical reason, to provide the basis for an, for an important criterion to be used in assessing the claims of people who say they know God. The assessment of such claims is the subject of the next verse where the Apostle John goes on to say, whoever abides in him sins not. Whoever sins has not seen him nor known him. Now this is really, really powerful. And I need, really need you to understand what the Apostle John is bringing out here. Because if you get this, you begin to see things in society and you begin to understand certain things. As you see them, you begin to... I really want these verses to jump out at you. So you're not standing there scratching your head going, "Ah, you know, they sound right. They're good people. They're saying some not so right things. Is it okay? Should I be listening to them or shouldn't I? This will help you with that. See, the two things that the devil is known for is subtlety and deception. He doesn't come ringing a big bell with this red suit on with a little tail and a pitchfork saying, Okay, I'm innocent. I want to tell you something that you need to believe. We'll look at that. (laughs) If we had a gun, we'd shoot it. Okay, we know not to listen to that. He doesn't come like that. Don't look for him like that. They're only in comics. When he comes, he'll be somebody that the world admires. That people say, this is a, a, an exceptional individual. Subtlety. See, the only way he can deceive you is if you don't realize he's there. Do you understand what I just said? And so you need to be very careful who the world presents. And, you know, even some Christians who have been deceived by those things present as people that, you know, yeah, you know, <clears throat> they may be going a little bit against the gospel and stuff, but, you know, they're genuine. Their heart is good. And they say some good things. That's how you get deceived. We're going to see something and I'm going to bring something out. It's very hard for you to get deceived. Because there's so much placed on the inside of you to counteract that. And it goes crazy once you start getting deceived. It's like a big red light. You know one of those things that go around and around and is very annoying? You know why they're annoying? Because they need to get your attention. Okay? And that's what the, the Holy Spirit inside of you starts to do. It just starts to go around and it gets very annoying. And you want, you know, you, what you must not do is say, okay, God, I know this isn't perfect, but you know, don't have to make such a big record about it. If he's making a record, it's because he knows the end of it. You see the beginning. We heart, we, this is the problem we have. The beginning is always like this. You know, it just, it's a little deviation. But the end is somewhere out here. Always think of astronomy when I think of these little deviations. If you are off by that much, a fraction of a percent of one degree, you won't be here anymore. This is not our galaxy anymore. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm trying to say? See, this is what God sees. This is what God prevents in your life. First of all, the, ty- the term abides in him 
is making reference to dwelling. Remember again, it says, whoever abides in him sins not. Okay, so this is making reference to dwelling or living in Christ. And why one translation actually puts it this way, those who live in Christ don't go on sinning. So what I want you to see from this is this. If you are living in Christ, there is no way that you will commit these kind of sins. So I want you to take a deep breath and just exhale. Know that, okay, this is not you. Because I don't want the devil to ever use anything like this against you. The devil is very good at using the word of God against God's people. That's why the apostle Paul said to Timothy to rightly divide the word of truth. Because wrongly divided, that's what the devil does. He uses scripture against, against Christians to bring them down. I don't know how many Christians today are in bondage because they've misunderstood scriptures. They've misunderstood the meaning behind what was being said. And so now they've allowed the devil to use scriptures to put them in bondage. And they're living in that place thinking that they're being obedient to God. Little realizing that there is a frustrated God up there looking at them and saying, please, Get this right. And this is the reason why the Apostle James also tells ministers of God to not want to be ministers. <laughs> okay? They, they, he says, you know, unless you've been called by God, don't, don't ask to be put up there. Because when we're up here, we are responsible for what we preach to you. Because we are influencing your entire life. We influence the way you are at home. We influence the way you are at work. We influence the way you think about yourself. And if I teach you and I, you know, if I give you things that are wrongly divided, instead of bringing the freedom, instead of bringing the power that God intended into your life, they will bring bondage. They will bring all kinds of condemnation. They will keep you in guilt and they will make you useless for the kingdom. Do you understand why I keep telling you get over things? Can I tell you why? This isn't about you. (laughs) okay if the devil can keep you focused on yourself and how you keep messing up then the only person that you will ever care about is you you don't have time for anybody else because dear god you have enough problems just looking after yourself hello (laughs) do you see something wrong in this we weren't put on this earth to look after ourselves we were put here to be a blessing to others amen As we bless others, they will bless us. And can I say this? The most healing thing you can do is get your eyes off of yourself. Put them on God. And He'll put them on others. And give, He will not just call you, but equip you to do something that will then start making you feel better about yourself. And just in that, it will begin to fight everything that is wrong in your life. As others begin to see your value and your worth and tell you. Just by a thank you, it raises your value. Are you all with me? But you'll never get that if all you are thinking about is yourself. Amen? Let's leave it there today. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we just thank you today for your word. And we thank you, Father, for all the wisdom, the revelation, and the insight that you are bringing into our lives. And we thank you, Father, that we learn not to live for ourselves, but that we spend our life looking outward to what we can do for others, 
And it may not be directly. We thank God for all the different media that is out there now. All the social media that we can affect people on. Just in our room, we can send things out and bless people all over this planet. And so, Father, we don't restrict this just to going out, but just but getting out there in some way or form so that we can be a blessing to others, each according to our gifts. Hallelujah. And Father, I just thank you for a revelation on the inside of each and every individual here that they know what their calling is, that they walk in it, the way you designed and destined them to, and that they are a blessing to all of those around them as a result. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.